chapter 139 and verse 14. A lot of you, especially those of you that read your Bible through all the time, will recognize this verse. It's a fairly common verse that we read fairly often. Psalms 139 and verse 14. If you're there, say amen. It says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that, my, and that my soul knoweth right well. Amen. You can close your Bibles. Let's all lift our hands to the Lord one more time. Let's thank him for this service. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together in your name in this house. Lord, we love you, Jesus. We praise you in this house. Oh, have your way in this place, Lord. Have your way in each and every heart, Lord. Have your way in my heart tonight, God. I open up my heart with gladness, Lord, to receive your word. I want it to be in my heart. In my heart, Jesus. Oh, we love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. I didn't know. I didn't. I, I did know, but I didn't put two and two together. I didn't realize when Pastor asked me to preach tonight that it was going to be the the awards for the Bible reading and all that. And this doesn't go exactly with that, but it goes with that together. I want this to be a word of encouragement tonight. And so the title of this is A Perfect Creation. And I don't know, it's not a real long message. I mean, I'll get real rambunctious, but I, I want to help encourage the body of Christ tonight. I want to encourage each and every person here tonight, whether you're brand new in the church, whether you've been in the church for a long time, whether you're young, whether you're old, I want this to be an encouragement to you. Amen? Now, before we can get into the main message, since school got canceled this week and a lot of you didn't have to go to school, we're going to have a real brief school lesson, a little bit of history, science, whatever you want to call it. And as I'm talking about this, you may be looking at me kind of weird, like what in the world does this have to do with, with the scripture you just gave and with the sermon tonight? I don't understand, but just bear with me and you will understand by the end. And I want to lay this foundation. When I took my classes through Wilson University, one of my favorite classes I took, we learned this in there. And there's no way I could teach teach it the way that I was taught it. It was so in-depth, and it was so awesome. It was my, by far my favorite class that I took. But in that, it talked about in the mid-1800s in England, there was this new theory that popped up. And before that, people just, in England especially, and in America, they just accepted that everything was created by God. God made everything. But in the mid-1800s, there were some guys that, that, especially one guy in particular, but there was a few guys that had had some issues in their life, and rather than try to work through that and try to find faith and try to find answers that way, they decided that they were going to rely on human reasoning to solve their problems. And they came up with this theory, and I'm sure you've heard of it. It's called the theory of evolution. Anybody ever heard of that? I mean, there was a guy named Charles Darwin. Anybody ever heard of Charles Darwin? And there were some other guys that were along with him, and they came up with this idea that said that Things that exist today didn't always exist like they are, but they had ancestors years ago that were totally different, and that those ancestors gradually, over the course of billions of years, became what we have today. And at some point in time, a fish crawled out of the ocean, and it grew legs, and then another fish grew wings, and somehow this all happened. And, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but they say it makes sense the way they want it to describe it. And their only proof that they have of this is that they have some dinosaur bones and that they've got some dead animals that they gathered from around the world that were similar to each other. And so they said, well, because these animals are similar, but yet they're different species, that, that's proof that there was evolution and natural selection and all this and that. And it, it, they had these ideas, and they wrote these books, and it, it took off like wildfire. And we know today that it is a very, very popular ideology. 
And it is an ideology. Don't let anybody ever tell you that it's settled science. It's not settled science. It's just a theory. It's an ideology. It's a religion is what it is. And so, and Charles Darwin, he was going through a time in his life where he was, he was a quote-unquote Christian. He was, I forget the exact religion, that he, the denomination that he was in, but he had some st- struggles in his life. He was always very sick. He had bad health. And then he had a young daughter that passed away at a very young age. And it completely crushed his faith. And rather than cry out to God, he became, he, he said he was agnostic. He didn't know. But in reality, he was atheistic. He just re- flat out rejected the whole premise of God and creation and all those things. And so we don't want to be like that. We want to cry out to God. And so I want to talk about that a little bit tonight. And so now you're saying, what in the world does this have to do with Psalms 139 and 14? And what, what does evolution have to do with that? And so I'm going to explain that a little bit here tonight. And I've heard this way too many times from Christians, not just random people out there, but Christians in the church. And they say that, I just feel like I don't have what it takes to serve God. It's just too hard. I can't do all these things. I just can't make it. And I've seen people backslide because they didn't think that they could make it. They didn't think that they could do it. They didn't think that they had the capability to do what God wanted them to do. And they they let their failures and their struggles and all these things get a hold of them. And they they had those things right in front of their face like blinders and they couldn't see. And they, they lost their faith and they lost their walk with God. And maybe you're here tonight and you've had struggles and you've had questions and maybe sometimes you feel like you don't have what it takes. And so tonight I want to encourage you. And if you don't have those things, maybe you will in the future. So maybe you can put this in your heart so that when those times come, you will remember. But sometimes we feel like God messed up when he put us in the church and that we just can't do it. We can't make it. But I want to tell you, God didn't miss when he created you. He did not mess up. You are a perfect creation. A perfect, you are made in the image of God. And so Psalms 139, 14, David says he's going to praise God because he is fearfully and wonderfully made. And that word fearfully means amazing. And that word wonderfully means miraculously made. You are amazingly and miraculously made in the image of God. And we aren't here today because some fish crawled out of the ocean billions of years ago. We aren't here today because proteins joined together and formed amino acids. That's not why we're here today. We are here today because God formed us to be who we are and what we are right here in this time. Amen. We are here because a God formed us together with his hands and breathed life into us. That's why we are here today. We are here. And so the thing is evolutionists say is what is your proof? You, you, you give us a hard time because we don't have any proof, but what is your proof? And I don't need proof because I have faith. Now, if they did really want proof, I could get into a whole topic about uh, irreducibly complex machines and flagellums and things like that. And some of you have no clue what I just said, and that's okay. You can look it up when you get home. Very fascinating. If you want to read actual scientific evidence of creation, right there you go. But you know what? At the end of the day... If I didn't know anything about irreducibly complex machines and I didn't know what that was, I still have faith to believe because John 1 and 3 says that all things were made by him. And there was nothing made that was not, there was nothing made was not, it was never here without him. It was because of him, it was by him, all things consist. Everything in existence today is only here because he put it here and he created it. And that's the way it is in the word of God. And so I'm going to take the word of God at face value and I'm going to have faith to believe it, just like David did. But David did not stop in verse 14. Now, if you're like me, you've read verse 14 a million times and you know that scripture, you have that scripture memorized. But I've never really taken the time. 
I mean, I've read these verses, verses 15 and 16, but I've never really read these verses, if you know what I mean. And so when I really got into these verses the other night, like it, it really just got a hold of me. And as I began to study these out and look up the definitions of words, because they're kind of complex verses and they don't make a whole lot of sense. I'll go ahead and read them to you now. Verse 15 says, My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members are written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there were none of them. Now, most of you, if you're like me, when I first read these two scriptures, they don't make a whole lot of sense. Bits and pieces of them make sense, but they don't, they don't, we don't talk like that anymore. We don't, we don't speak in Old English. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us. We definitely don't speak in Hebrew. And so I began to look these up in the Hebrew definitions of these words, and I began to look at a couple different translations and just compare and contrast and try to figure out exactly what it was that David was trying to say. And when I finally got the revelation of what David was saying here, it was awesome. And it just it blew my mind when I read this. Uh, what he's saying here is that God saw him the nanosecond. I mean, less than a nanosecond. I don't even know what's smaller than a nanosecond. But the flat twinkling of an eye instant that he was formed in the womb, God saw him. He knew he was there immediately as soon as that happened. And when he says that he was curiously wrought, what that means is that he was intricately, intricately and precisely made with great skill. He wasn't just a clump of cells that just happened to bind together in a certain way and grow arms and fingers and hands and, and all that stuff. That's not the way he was formed, but there was some precision and there was some intricacy and there was some skill involved in his creation. And there's a scripture right there that tells us that life begins at conception. People will say, well, it's not a human being until it's born and living on its own. But that's, that scripture right there says that God saw him the instant he was formed in the womb. He knew immediately who David was. He knew immediately. In verse 16, God says that he saw him even before he was formed. Before David was ever formed in the womb, God already knew him. He knew everything about him. He knew he didn't even exist at the cellular level yet. David did not exist in a physical way, but yet God knew him, and he knew about the things in his life. He knew all these things. He knew every day of his life is what the scripture is saying. He knew all the days of my life before they ever happened. He knew all these things that were going to happen in my life. He knew where I was going to go. He knew what I was going to say. He knew everything about me before I was even formed. So he, God knew about the good times that David was going to have. God knew about the bad times that David was going to have. He knew, about the day that he knew about the day that David was going to be anointed. He knew about the day that he was going to have to kill a bear and a lion. God knew about those way before David was ever formed. He knew about the day that he was going to face Goliath. He knew about the day that he was going to have to run for his life and hide in caves and fear, not knowing what was going on in his life. He, God knew about all those situations way before David was ever formed. God knew about the day that he would become the king of Israel, the actual king sitting on the throne. God knew about the day that he would fall into sin with Bathsheba. God knew about the day that he would murder Uriah. God knew about those things. He knew about the days that his children would do unspeakable things and wind up dead because of it. And God knew about the day that his own son Absalom would turn on him and try to take over the kingdom. All the good times of rejoicing, all the sad days of sorrow, all the bad days of sin, all the days of repentance and the consequences that came because of those sin, God knew about all of those things before David was formed. Now, David had 
free will. He had choice. He, could, he chose to put himself in many of those situations, but other situations were none of his doing. It was simply what happened. So whether it was his choice that put him there or whether it was just life that put him there, God already knew it was going to happen, and God was there with him. God was there before David was ever formed. Amen? Amen. And it's the same with each and every one of us here tonight. God, I'm going to take this a little bit further. God knew you before your parents were born. He knew you. Think about that for a second. Just let that sink in. He knew you before your parents were born. So that, that doesn't even compute with human reasoning. That doesn't compute with evolution. That doesn't make any sense. But in faith, in the word of God, right here that we talked about earlier, talking about reading your Bible, that's why this, this, this sermon goes together with reading our Bible, because the word of God tells us that he knew you before your parents were born. And he loved you before your grandparents were born. Think about that. He loved you before your grandparents were even born. Before your great-grandparents were even born, God loved you. And we, we think about that. How is that possible? And that doesn't make any sense in our, in our human thought process. But if he didn't love you, he, he wouldn't have died on the cross roughly 2,000 years ago. That's why he came to the cross. That's why he came to Calvary. That's why he came to earth is because he loved you. Yes, he loved the people in that day. He loved Peter and Paul and all those guys. He loved them too, but he loves each and every one of you on an individual basis. And that's why he did that. John 3:16, we all know this scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that's not saying that he loves this old world and the things in it. That's not what that scripture is saying. It's saying that he loves the people. He loved the people of this world. And he wanted to make a way of reconcilia reconciliation, not because he had to, but because he wanted to. He didn't have to. He could have just wiped everything clean, and several times he almost did. But he stopped, and he said, no, I love these people. I love that my creation. I'm going to make a way for them to be saved. I'm going to make a way of reconciliation. And so he already knew that each and every one of you was going to have bad days. He knew about your bad days before you were ever born. He knew about those things that were going to be coming your way. He knew about every situation. And he, he, knew, he knew these things because Adam and Eve had a bad day. They fell into sin, and because of their sin, the whole world is in sin. We're formed in iniquity. We're, we're, we're born into a world full of sin. And so God understands us. He knows this. He knows that there is troubles, and there's, there's hardships, and there's all sorts of things that even aren't sin. Like David, the some of the situations he had to face were none of his doing. It was just simply life. Life for David was like that. And each and every one of us in here, I think Pastor preached it this morning, that we're going to face hardships in life. At some point in our life, we're going to have some knockdown, drag-out situations that hurt us so deeply, we don't know how we can make it through. And so I'm telling you tonight how you can make it through. Amen? Amen. 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 So he brought that reconcilia reconciliation through the shedding of his blood and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And so when you recognize that you have sin and mistakes in your life and you come to an altar up here and you repent of those sins and you allow God to fill you with the Holy Ghost, when you do those steps and, and, your, and the Holy Ghost evidence by speaking in other tongues, not just a good feeling, but when you really get the Holy Ghost and you begin to speak in that other language as the, Holy, as the Spirit gives the utterance, and when you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, those sins that you repent of and you get those washed away up there. And I know most of us in here have done that. But when you do that and you do those things, we are changed. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, 
All things, all things, all things are become new. Amen. All things. Everybody say all things. That doesn't mean that you used to be this, and so you get the Holy Ghost, and so you're not going to be that quite as much anymore, but you're still going to be a little bit of that and a little bit of this. No. When God sets you free, when God set me free, he set me free. Yeah, I had to put some effort in. I had to put some, some legwork into it. I had, to, I had to stay away from some stuff. I had to walk away from some stuff. I had to get rid of some stuff. I've told this story before how I put a trash can in my backyard, a big dumpster trash can, and chucked a whole bunch of stuff in the trash to get it out of my life. I didn't, I didn't fully understand everything. A lot of the stuff I threw in that dumpster was not sin. I just I wanted a brand new life. I wanted away from that old life, and I just got out of it. And so sometimes you've got to do the same thing. Amen? You've got to leave that old life behind. But at the end of the day, you are a new creature when you put that effort in and you do what the Bible tells you to do and you allow the Holy Ghost to work in your life. You are a new creature. And so when you are in sin, you are, when you are in Christ, you are not the same sinful man or woman that you used to be. And so just as God didn't mess up when he created us physically, just as God created us so precisely and intricately physically, when we are born again as a new creature, once again, he creates us a new creature with the same precision. It's spiritual precision this time. We're still physically the same. I didn't get a new arm or anything like that when I was baptized. But spiritually, I became a brand new person. And I have the same level of skill and precision and delicacy and just mind-blowing, miraculous creation that God puts into a newborn baby is the same level of creation that goes into you when you receive the Holy Ghost. And you became, become that brand new creature. And so before you ever repented of your sins, before you ever came to an altar, before you ever got baptized, before you ever received the Holy Ghost, before any of that, God knew what days you were going to face as a born-again believer. He knew that there was going to be a day. He gives everybody free choice, and he says, okay, here's, here's the church, here's the altar, here's what you got to do, here's, here's the instruction manual of how you got to do it. He sends people into our life that teach us Bible studies and preach to us and tell us how to be saved. And so he leaves that decision up to us, but he knew when you made that decision that, that when you got the Holy Ghost and when you came to this church and you, you, you did all these things that you were still going to face tough days in your walk with God. He knew that was still going to happen, but he made you a new creature anyway because he knew you could make it. When he created you a new creature, it's a perfect creature that he knows can make it. Paul talks about being be ye perfect. That's just simply allowing the Holy Ghost to make you into what God wants you to be. When you are what God wants you to be, you are perfect because God creates perfect things simply is that way. Amen. John 16, says, these things have I spoken unto you that in me, ye might have peace in the world. Ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So he's telling his disciples these things, but the scripture is for the church as well. He knew you were going to have some off days in your walk with God. He knew you were going to have some bad days. He knew there was going to be days when you were heartbroken. He knew when you were going to face, face death in the family or close friends. He knew when you were going to have hardships that just felt like your whole life was falling apart. He knew when you were going to have family strife and situations. He knew when there was going to be, he knew things that I went through as a child and things that I go through as, have gone through as an adult and situations I've had to deal with. He knew about those. And each and every one of you have your own personal testimony of things that you've had to go through. And God knew about those situations that you were going to have to go through. And so that's why he speaks to us here. And he says, these things have I, I have spoken unto you that you, in me you might have peace. It's in him that we have that peace. 
You're going to have that tribulation. That tribulation is going to come to you. It's going to be there. It's going to happen. Things aren't going to be hunky-dory for the rest of your life the day you get the Holy Ghost. You're going to feel really good for a while, but at some point in time, life's going to kick back in, and it's, things are going to happen. You might, you might, somebody might run a red light and slam into your car, and, and, of course, then all of a sudden you find out that they didn't have insurance. And so now you only had liability, and so now what do you do? Because now you can't afford a new car, and now your car is totaled out, and now you're walking when it's zero degrees outside, and situations happen in life. And maybe it's a more serious situation. Maybe you find out you've got an illness or something like that, and you can't, you can't just get over it easily. It's not something you can easily get over. Maybe, you, I, like I mentioned, you've had a death in the family. Things like that are going to happen. They're coming your way. They're going to happen. But he said to have peace and be courageous. He said, be courageous because why? He overcame the world. He overcame those situations. Every situation that you face as a saint of God, he already overcame. He was there. He faced it. And I read this in the Amplified Version, and I absolutely loved the way the scripture ended. It says, I have overcome the world. My conquest is finished. My victory is abiding. He overcame the world. He already conquered it. The world's waiting for Armageddon, and, and that's what half of Hollywood is about anymore is the end of the world and Armageddon and the battle of the ages and all this stuff. And that's what everything's about anymore, it seems like. And that's what they're all waiting on. But that's, that's not even the real battle. The real battle was on Calvary. The war's already been won. Armageddon's just tying up some loose ends. That's already going to be stuff that's, that's, that's just finishing some stuff up, getting everything taken care of. The real battle was on Calvary. And, and, that, and that moment when he said, it is finished, it was finished. It was already over in that moment. Amen? He wasn't saying, my life is finished, it's over, I'm done, see y'all later. No, that's not what he was saying when he said, it is finished. He was saying, that situation that you're going to have to face in 2024, it's already finished. I already conquered that for you. I already fixed that situation. I've already taken care of that. Yeah, you're going to have to go through it still, but I gave you the power to overcome that situation because I overcame that situation right here on Calvary. He did that for you because he loved you, and he wanted to make a way. He wanted to see revival in the church. And so the church can't have revival if we're always worrying about this situation and that situation and this and this and this and this. We can't have revival when we're, when we're worried about all these things. And so we have to turn it over to God and have per peace in him. We have to have perfect peace in him and allow him to give us that victory that he already got. He already claimed the victory. He already conquered it. He already conquered that situation. He's already conquered the world. Anything in this world is already conquered. No matter what you're facing, no matter what has happened to you, no matter what will happen to you, he has the victory over that already if you will reach out and you will claim it in faith. Amen? And so sometimes you may still have to put some effort in. You're going to have to go through it. You're going to be in the trenches. You're going to be fighting the battles. You're going to still be in those, but you still got to hold on to God because he's the one that's going to give you strength to go through it. And so when you're facing a situation, and maybe you have, as, as an apostolic, Holy Ghost-filled, born-again believer, maybe you have committed a sin. Maybe you are struggling with something. Maybe you have, have things on your phone you shouldn't have. Maybe you have situations, but God has given you the victory over those things. Now, you're going to have to put some effort in. You're going to have to make yourself accountable. You're going to have to do those things as well. You're going to have to get rid of stuff like I talked about earlier. You're going to have to do all those things, but you can do it. You can make it. Just because you messed up doesn't mean that it's over and that you can't make it now. No, God conquered that situation that you're struggling with. He died on the cross 
for that situation that you're struggling with. He shed his blood. He shed his blood. He died for that situation that you're struggling with. And he has made a way for you to overcome that situation as well, no matter what it may be. It doesn't matter if it's a big situation, a small situation, anything in between. He conquered it for you because he loves you. And he, he, didn't, he didn't create you perfectly for you to all of a sudden decide that, oh, I'm not good enough. When you say I'm not good enough, you're saying God's not good enough. And is that true? No. God is good enough. God is good. That is what he is. That's what Jesus said. He has said there is none good but God. He, he's, he's good. And so if God is good, God is good enough, that means when he created you and filled you with the Holy Ghost, you are good enough as well. And you can conquer that situation. Amen. Amen. If the music would come. And so he overcame that, overcame every situation. He overcame everything in this world. He conquered it. His victory is abiding. His conquest is finished. He conquered it already. It's already settled. And so now he fills you with the Holy Ghost. And if you don't have the Holy Ghost here tonight, if you haven't been baptized, if you haven't repented of your sins, tonight's the night to take care of that and get that done. Because without that, it's very hard to fight these battles. But if you will sell out to God and you will dedicate your life to God and you say, yes, God, I surrender. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. Yes, Lord, I surrender. I'll get baptized in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord, I surrender. I'll repent of these sins. I'll make myself accountable, whatever it may be. If you will do that, then you have Christ in you, and you can have that same victory. You can have that same that same uh, abiding victory over those situations. And so evolution says that you're just a cluster of cells and that you can't do anything on your own. It's just, it's just natural selection. And so if you don't succeed, then you're just doomed to fade from existence. And then something better will replace you. That's what, that's what evolution says. And the world tells you that you're a failure because you don't live up to their standards. You don't live the way that they live. You're kind of crazy. You do some crazy stuff. You go to church way too much. So you're a failure because you're not out there chasing after dollars your whole life. You're worried, more worried about what God thinks about you. And you understand that, that, that at some point in time, you're not going to be alive anymore. And all those dollars you chased after aren't going to do you any good. And so... That's what the world's worried about. And so when you don't do that, they call you a failure when you're not after those things. And the devil tells you a failure because you messed up. You committed a sin. You did something. You backtalked your parents. You lied to somebody. You did whatever it was. You messed up. And so now you're a failure. And so that means you might as well just quit coming to church. You might as well just give up. You can't help with revival. The church is having revival, and you just can't be part of that is what the devil's telling you. And you just just give up. Just don't, don't go back there anymore. You just can't do it. You can't make it. You're not good enough. That's the things he's going to tell you. But, but the word of God, the word of God, this is why you got to read your Bible. And I was just telling Lalo before I came up here, Brother Lalo, I, I've never completed a plan. I've, I've read my Bible a boatload. I've read tons of stuff in the word of God. But I've never actually sat down and completed a plan in a year. And maybe I'm making myself too vulnerable up here, but I'm just being honest with y'all. And so this year, I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I may not be able to read the whole Bible through because I do have a lot going on, but I am going to read the New Testament through in a year this year, and I'm going to complete a plan. Now, maybe I have read the whole Bible through in a year, just not on a plan. I don't know. I've read a ton in the Bible. It's not like I don't ever read my Bible. Thank God for that at least. But I want to complete a plan just to say that I stuck to this plan and I read this through in a year, and I'm going to do that this year, and I'm pretty much on track. I think I'm two days behind because I was busy studying for this sermon instead of that, making excuses up here, sorry. <laughs> but, but the Word of God, you got to read your Bible. The Word of God tells you that you are skillfully and precisely crafted in the image of God. 
you are skillfully and precisely. God didn't mess up. He has a unique blueprint for each and every one of us in here. And he follows that blueprint to a T. And he says, this is how I'm going to make this person. And this is how I'm going to make this person. And this is what I want them to accomplish in the, in the work of God and in the house of God and in the kingdom of God. This is my plan for their life. And I know they can do it. I know they can do it because I've given them the tools to do it. I've given them the ability to do it. I created it in their spiritual DNA. When I formed them into a new creature, when they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and when they went down in that water, I formed them into a new creature, and I gave them the DNA that says this is what they can accomplish. This is what they can have. This is what they can do in the kingdom of God. This is what I want them to do. He has a perfect will of God for each and every one of you. Even if you messed up, he still has a perfect will of God for you. And so don't feel like you can't make it because you can make it. You can because the word of God says you can. And Jesus tells you that he loved you so much that he conquered the world just for you by giving a lot his life as a ransom for yours. And ultimately, that's why you can make it. Because in sin, none of us can make it. Without the Holy Ghost, without regeneration, without remission of sins, we can't make it. When the devil tells us that, he's right if we don't have those things in our life. But when we allow God to work in our life and we surrender and we get those things in our life and we follow the plan of salvation, we have been purchased. Christ gave his life as a ransom for us. So we don't have to die because we sinned. We don't have to die. They don't have to drag us outside the city and throw rocks at us until we're dead anymore. They don't have to do that because he already gave his life for us. We don't have to sacrifice bulls and goats and doves and and all these different things that they had to sacrifice in the Old Testament because he sacrificed his life. He could have done anything he wanted to do. He was, he was God manifest in the flesh, but he chose. He willingly chose, and even as God before he manifests himself in the flesh, he chose to make a way of salvation. He didn't have to do that, but he chose to because he loves you, and so he knows that you can make it. So the next time you're feeling like you can't make it, maybe you messed up, Maybe you're just super stressed out about things. Has anybody ever been really stressed out about situations in your life? I know I have. That's a human thing. That's a physical thing. And maybe you just don't think you can do it. Maybe you just don't think you can take it. I know there was a time in my life I didn't think there was any possible way I could get up in front of people and talk and speak, let alone preach or anything like that. And I remember that, that first Thanksgiving I was in church. Pastor Carricker asked me to give a, a, a testimony for Thanksgiving, and I was freaking out. I didn't know how I could do it because some of you already know my testimony, but before I ever got in church, I had dealt with extreme panic attacks and anxiety, and I couldn't, I couldn't in my flesh do so many things. I couldn't do things. I was barely able to go to my own high school graduation because I was freaking out so bad, and, and I would get physically sick. And I, I couldn't do so many things, but when I got in church, God conquered that for me, and yeah, I had to put some effort in. I had to put myself, I had to say, yes, Pastor Carricker, I will give my testimony at Thanksgiving service. I had to put the effort into it, but God gave me the ability to conquer that in my life. And so whatever you're facing, I don't know what you're facing, I'm not you, but whatever you're facing, God gives you the ability to conquer. You have the spiritual DNA that you need to overcome those things. He is there. And so when you do that, when you put that effort in, God's going to help you. He's going to do it. You can make it. You can do it. And so in this new year, we're going to have great revival. We're going to do great things in the, in the city of Hutchinson. We're going to see great things. God's going to do great things. There's going to be great revival in the city. And this year and in the year.
year to come and until Jesus comes, we're going to keep growing. We're going to keep going forward. But the only way we can do that is if we say, I can make it. Everybody top yourself and say, I can make it. I can do it. You can do it. Whatever God has called you to do, he gave you the ability to do it. So let's all stand in this house. And I want us all to come to the front, but but I don't want us to come up here and tell God all about our problems. I don't want us to do that. If you've got sin and you need to repent of something, then do that. Repent of those sins. But come up here, and I want you to begin to thank God for all that he has done. Thank God for giving you the victory. Thank God for conquering whatever situation it is that you might be facing now or in the future. Thank God and worship him and tell him how much you appreciate, how much you're, you're so thankful for what he has done for you. And worship him. And, and those things there and, and bind together in faith accepting that in this new year I'm going to do what God has called me to do whatever it may be so go ahead and come to the front come up here and lift your hands to God instead of saying God I can't do it I can't do it say God I can do it because you conquered it for me and I'm going to do it Lord. whatever you've called me to do Lord that's what I'm going to do and if you don't have something specific in your life that you feel like God's calling you to do then pray and say God Give me a burden for something this year. I want to do something new this year that I've never done before. If you've never taught a Bible study, maybe you want to teach a Bible study this year. Maybe you want to help pray people through to the Holy Ghost better than you've ever prayed with somebody before. Maybe you want to be a better witness. Maybe you want to be a better friend. Maybe you want to be a better encouragement to those around you. Whatever it is, say, God, I want to be this. I want to work for you slow. Oh, God, I want to see great things this year. Oh, 